0: reading from the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 14. Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of God. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and scatter where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned... I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. You may be seated. Did y'all feel the temperature of the room drop? <laughs> Boy, that Jesus can be pesky, can he? Now, to get us in the right context to mind here let's remember that Jesus is talking about this time between his ascension and his parousia is the Greek word his coming his coming and and as we declare you know we talked about this before I'll talk about it tonight we declare every time we take communion Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again again. amen man I hope it's tomorrow There's a lot of people out there got charts and stuff telling me it can't be tomorrow because something hadn't happened in some place, somewhere, whatever, man. Jesus said a time that we don't expect. That's the first parable He taught us about His coming. It will happen when you don't expect. Did you hear Paul say it's coming like a thief in the night? Any of y'all want thieves coming in your house at night? Put locks on your doors, don't you? And then Jesus told a parable that said... You know, it might be faster than you think. And then he told a parable about the bridesmaids and virgins that we talked about just last week, where it might take longer than you think, so stay ready. Keep waiting, don't give up waiting. And now he just tells us something that's just, you know, come on, Jesus, are you trying to scare us? You know, this for a lot of churches is stewardship time. Are you all aware of that? Somebody told me when I was... Still a member of a local congregation. When I was talking to him about being in worship, the importance of worship, why we come to worship, why come to church. I mean, y'all, it's pretty outside. Y'all could be somewhere killing something, hitting some golf balls, making some quilts, whatever y'all do. (laughs) Swimming, boating. But yet you're here in the presence of God. We are blessed with this gift. So there must be some concrete reason that Jesus would give us this, this parable as a, as a way for us to understand what it looks like to wait for him. Fair enough? But a lot of, a lot of people are doing this stewardship thing. And this, this guy, when I was talking to him, he said, David, here's the thing. When I go to church, all I feel like they care about is my money. So this ain't, this ain't a stewardship sermon. I'm using my good grammar. But it is a stewardship sermon. Now, the, the Book of Discipline the United Methodist Church instructs, instructs me that I am to instruct you that the tithe, one-tenth of your income is the basic unit of United Methodist giving. Did y'all hear that? You have summarily been instructed. <laughs> now, if you thought to yourself, is the preacher talking about net or gross income? then you've missed the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is to remember what King David said when they brought the offerings to build the temple in the first place. All things come from you, O God. It is of your own that we have given you. So when Jesus tells this parable, are these, are these slaves of the master, are they investing their own funds or the masters? The masters. Y'all remember when I first got here and y'all looked at me with a three-headed dog and didn't talk to me? Man, we're growing together, aren't we? The master gave them the master's own funds, right? In alignment with what King David has said when he prayed that prayer, everything we have is a gift from God. So if we start asking what's permissible for us to do, we've, to keep or any of that kind of stuff, You know, when people talk about the commandments, sometimes they're basically just looking to see what they can get away with. You know that, right? That's not stewardship. Stewardship is understanding that even the part that you keep, that you don't bring here, belongs to God. It is entrusted to you so that you can be a blessing to others. And whatever way that happens, whether it's they're a guest in your house or you drive them home late at night in your car so they don't spend the night in the cold. However that works out, God will find a way for you to be merciful with what God has trusted you with. That is stewardship. So we're not doing a legalism, you got to give 10% or you go into hell thing with this text like a lot of preachers do. Do you hear me? It's not okay. Jesus didn't teach us this to scare us. He taught us this to show us what it looks like to wait faithfully. So what could that be? The other thing that some preachers do with this text is they use it to guilt people into singing in the choir. <laughs> do not hear me as saying, y'all get to get out of this. But that's not what Jesus is doing here either, okay? But listen, the reason that the NIV of 2017 or 19, whichever, whenever this newer version of it came out... It changed the word talents to, to bags of gold because people have forgotten what exactly was at, at stake in this parable. And, and people have used this to tell people that if you have some physical or spiritual ability that you have to come and present it here or you will be cast out of God's kingdom. And as you all have heard me say a million times, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Or we would boast about it. So if we were able to come here and give more than everybody else, or come here and do more than everybody else and earn our salvation, we'd want our name on a plaque over here on one of these windows or out on the front steps somewhere saying we were the most holy person that ever did something here, wouldn't we? And surely we're bound for the kingdom of heaven. Man, we would just remind everybody and tell them to look at our plaque when you leave so you know how awesome I am. Wouldn't we? I mean, we know it's true because we put those plaques on everything. It's a basic kind of human reaction to giving something. Well, will I get a plaque? It's not what Jesus is talking about here. I remember in the last church I was a member of once when Samantha and I, I think it was when we were visiting that church because it was early in our marriage. And I was sitting beside her and the hymn was playing and it just so happened that we were sitting on a pew by ourselves, and I could hear her sing for the first time in my life. And I looked at her and said, Baby, weren't you into choir? It was not good. And, and, and my darling bride said, The choir director made me lip sync in high school, <laughs> right? Not her gift. That's how talents came to be understood as talents and abilities here because the talent in Jesus' story is something that the Master gives. Y'all with me? And the Master gives it so that they can be faithful with it, not so they can bury it in the ground. This is Jesus' point. What the Master gives us, the church, is not to be buried in the ground until He returns. You with me so far? Amen. Well, why did He bury it then? Because he was afraid. Did you hear that? He thought to himself, my master is a harsh. Is how the older NIV put it in the NRSV and the ESV. Harsh. We don't like harsh people, do we? Harsh people make demands on you that they wouldn't make on themselves, don't they? He said, I knew you were a harsh, hard man. So right off the bat, if you've had any experience with Jesus Christ at all, you know that this perception of the master means that this master is not an allegory for God, right? What we are seeing is a person who has not been faithful in the God way that God hopes we would be faithful because God is not harsh, because God is loving, because God is merciful. And if God is loving and merciful, it's okay for us to fail at being faithful as long as we keep trying to be faithful. Do you hear that? It's beautiful, isn't it? Now, I heard something this week I'd never heard before. First one was a proverb. It said, instruct the wife. And I know I've read it before. I've read the Bible eight times now. Why did I not notice this? Listen. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the fear here is the fear that we would not be faithful to a God who deserves to be have people be faithful to that God. To have fear of God means to stand in awe of God. Why? Because of how great God is and how faithful God is and especially because of how merciful the God of Israel is. Over and over to the people of Israel, God showed God's mercy to them. And the book of Proverbs says that we should instruct one another of this and we will gain more wisdom and we will stand more in fear in awe of this God who is merciful beyond our hope for mercy. And don't you know that when you're in awe of someone, you talk about them? Are you aware of that? I couldn't give a rat's butt that Taylor Swift is dating that Kelsey boy. (laughs) But I can't get away from it. Can you, Have y'all noticed that? Things like it follows me around. Every day on Facebook, somebody sharing another picture of Taylor and I hope they're happy, but I don't need to know. That's our life in the world. And sometimes the wrong things follow us around relentlessly. And what we really really, really need to hear more about is the mercy of Almighty God. What this world needs to hear about is the mercy of God. But what does mercy have to do with this text? Well, here we go. I'm going to read something to you. I hope that's okay. Is that okay? One of my current teachers is Bishop Robert Barron, Roman Catholic Bishop. I think he's fantastic. He tells this about this text speaking about one of his teachers. Here's the thing that modern readers will miss, but ancient readers, Father Shorenstein argued, would not miss. The link between weightiness, a talent. Y'all remember how in our old text it says they were given five talents, two talents, and one talent? A talent is weighty, it's heavy. And the weightiest thing of all, which is the kabod of Yahweh, kabod, is a Hebrew word. It's usually translated in Greek as doxa, from which we get doxology when we stand up and sing to God. In Latin, it's gloria, which is glory or light. But a more fundamental sense of the Hebrew word kabod is weight. God is weighty, God is significant, God is dense. Now take one more step, he said. Where is the kibbutz of Yahweh housed? Right? This story that Jesus tells is coming out of a Jewish tradition, right? He's a Hebrew man. He's telling a story that relates to the tradition of his religion. It's housed in the temple in Jerusalem. More precisely, over the mercy seat. That's the area on top of the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubim. Now they kept the Ark of Covenant in the smallest room in the temple. So you had to go through other rooms getting smaller and smaller till you got there. And the only time a person could go in that room was when the chief priest went in there on Yom Kippur to make atonement for the sins of the people. Yom Kippur means Day of Atonement. And the priest would take the blood of a heifer and pour it over the mercy seat and the sins of the people would be forgiven. Do you hear the connection? Mercy, kabod, is weighty. And Bishop Barron goes on and says, this was seen as the place where Yahweh dwelled and where he dispensed his kabod, his weighty glory. Now bring all of this together. The weight of Yahweh is on the mercy seat. In other words, the kabod, the weightiest thing of all is none other than the inexhaustible mercy of God. So the NIV uses bags of gold because a bag of gold will be heavy, won't it? And so this one man was given five heavy things. And the other man was given two heavy things, kabod, heavy things. Jesus says this, I think, Robert Barron thinks that other people think to call in mind the idea of God's mercy. Because the heaviness of God sat on the mercy seat. And the most difficult, the most heavy, the most heavy, the most intense, the most dense, the most important gift that God has ever given us is not our house, our car, our children, or our money. It's God's own mercy. Do you hear that, church? This is what Jesus is talking about. We haven't been trusted with the mercy of God. Oh, my Lord. So in the story, I think what we're supposed to think about is that that first man took his five bags of God's mercy and went out and spent them, spread them around. And it came back to him with interest. Do you know that if you're merciful to another human being, they will be merciful to you? Have you had that experience in your relationships? Yes. Happens all the time. Second man took his two bags of mercy out and spread them around. But the other one, what did he do? He didn't trust that the master was actually merciful. So he buried it. And he brought it back and said, "Here's your mercy." I don't want to be that last guy. I want to be one of the first two. What about you? Amen. I have told people before that I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. And I don't remember if it's a, a story I made up as an illustration or something that really happened, but I have a memory that somebody asked me if I thought I would hear that, you know, when I'm judged and I told him, no, I'm going to hear what the heck were you thinking? So for whatever reason, I can't say it without thinking about that occurrence. And I don't know if that was real or me and imagine it. But listen, if you don't want to hear what the heck were you thinking, then what are you doing with the mercy that God has thrown on your life? God has showered mercy on you recklessly and liberally more than you could ever hope for. Cass made me think about this time when we were leaving Bilo. And my mama said, where'd you get that candy bar? And I said, they were giving them away at the cash register. I stole it. That's sin, isn't it? From an early age, all of us knew sin. If you read my newsletter article from, from in November, I guess it was, or October, you read in there about that, that sin of comparison that causes us to want the thing other people have. We've been doing that since we were two years old. None of us could say that we are without sin, could we? Could any of us? And yet, Almighty God allows us into God's presence this morning. Isn't that cool? And not only that, but Almighty God sent God's own Son to deal with that sin that separates us from God. And Almighty God in the flesh, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, took our sin upon himself. Paul said he who was without sin was made to be sin for us. And our sin was nailed to the tree, Paul says. Our sin was put to death. Is it mercy, church? Does that sound like a harsh God to you? Does it sound like a hard God to you that we should fear somehow investing what God has given us? I'm not afraid to fail by showing someone mercy. If they spit it back in my face, so be it. I don't want to be afraid to show mercy because I want Jesus to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And it chokes me up to say, it. Don't you? Don't you, church? When you see our Lord face to face, don't you want to hear well done? Has nothing to do with our salvation. Has to do with being faithful. It has to do with being saved people. It has to do with people who don't take the mercy of God for granted and bury it in the ground. Are we doing that? Seems like something worth thinking about, doesn't it? Are there ways that that we together, or we individually, are burying this this mercy God has given us and keeping it just for ourselves? I've told you before a story, but a guy who I was ordained with, did you hear that? His his local church had a chance to help him. He was. In a bad way. And what they told him was, when you get yourself cleaned up, we'll be here for you. Does that sound like first and second slave or the third one? It sounds a little bit like being afraid of a God who might be merciful to the wrong person, doesn't it? The kabod of God sits upon the mercy seat. This weightiness of God is God's mercy. So Jesus is telling a story about people taking incredibly heavy things. Now, this is not a bag of five gold coins now. It's 6,000 denarii. So even if we switched to silver, if they had said bags of silver, typically the denarii were silver coins, it's six. Thousand of them to one talent. So that one man was holding 30,000 of them worth of silver. Sounds heavy, doesn't it? It also sounds like it's worth something, doesn't it? Sounds like, I'll take some. The most, the most, the very most valuable thing in all of the universe is the mercy of God. The most valuable thing that God has ever given to us is God's mercy. Other than God's Son, don't hear me wrong. Y'all with me? But even the giving of God's Son was mercy to allow us to know God in Christ. What are we doing with His mercy? Are we spreading it around or keeping it for ourselves? This is the question that Jesus is asking us, I think. And I think what it's meant to do is encourage us to give it all away. Now, Bishop Barron said that if we cling to it, we've actually lost it. Because we've turned God's mercy into our own possession and it's no longer mercy. I think he's right. So maybe what we could hear today is, not a preacher telling us to give 11% or 10% or not a preacher telling you that, it, you know, if you sing and everybody doesn't leave the pew, you should be in the choir. But maybe what we should hear is, is Jesus saying, you have been entrusted with the greatest thing ever entrusted to human beings, which is the mercy of God. Go give it away. Amen.